Welcome to Life from Flat to Fabulous. Your hosts are Sarah Karkner and Sheila Turner. This program is based on practical life-enhancing tools to shift your energy, mixed in with great stories, lots of laughs and wisdom to help you feel more confident and ignite your full potential. Now here's Sarah and Sheila. Hello, it is Sarah and Sheila here, and we are happy to be with you today. We are going to talk about joy, how to live in a space of joy. We've been singing joy. Pump, pump it up in pain as we're getting ready for this podcast today. And we're so excited you're going to join us on your journey to joy. Today, we are going to share some stories that will hopefully inspire you to tap into your joy and to help you live in a space of joy. So joy versus happiness is something I just want to start off with because I think it's an important distinction to make before we get into our stories. Joy and happiness are Wonderful feelings to experience, but they are very different. Joy is a more consistent and is more cultivated internally. It comes when you make peace with who you are, when you make peace with, you know, how you are, why you are. Whereas happiness tends to be externally triggered and is based on other people's, you know, people, things, places, thoughts, and events. So joy is really a brave decision. It's about how you're going to respond to life. And we're going to talk about that today. We are going to link that with storytelling. And storytelling really has earned its place as the most important traditions humans possess. The reason it's so important is because every story contains a lesson to instruct the reader, the audience. Stories teach us to love, to forgive, and to strive to really be better than who we are. The greatest stories always have a lesson. They inspire us. Storytelling has numerous important effects on our life. It can be one of the most effective sources of inspiration known to man. So it's a fantastic tool that we are hoping will help you today. So we are going to share our stories. And I am going to start off first with my story. And our stories that we will be sharing with you today, little story time, and it is actually, ironically, Mother Goose Day. And she was a great storyteller. <laughs> right, Jill? Mother Goose Day. So we are going to read our stories from a book called Journey to Joy. And you can find that on our www.fabandpowers.com. If you're interested in purchasing, it's part of a women's anthology of all these inspirational stories. It's really tremendously fabulous. And we will sign a copy for you today. So if you go to the website and decide to buy it, we will make sure to sign um, a copy for you before we send it off. And we will ship for free. That's oh, your special we bonus. We will ship Sheila for free. Sheila is generoso today. Sign and ship because it will bring you joy. So, Sarah, you are going to read your story now and tell us about your journey to joy because joy is a state of mind. It's like a combination of contentment and confidence and hope. And I really think that your story really blends all of those elements together. So, I'm very interested to Thank hear your story. You, all right. My story is called Dusting Off Old Dreams. Yes, I am. Every Wednesday night, I throw myself at my mother's feet, wrap my arms around her ankles, and look up at her with pleading puppy dog eyes. Please let me eat TV in front of, please let me eat in front of the TV tonight, I'd implore her. I was seven years old in 1982 and would just die if I missed one second of the opening credits of my favorite TV show during which Erica Gimble a.k.a. Coco Hernandez, sang the Academy Award-winning Best Original Song, Fame. 
Yes, everybody take a moment and sing fame. You can sing it out loud or in your head, either way. Based heavily on the Fiorello H. LaGuardia High School of Music and the Arts and the High School of Performing Arts in New York, I dreamed of being like one of the show's main characters, Coco, Leroy, Doris, and Bruno. I fantasized that one day I'd break out in song in the middle of the street, dance on cafeteria tables, and just as the lyrics suggested, light up the sky like a flame. Luckily, I didn't have to die those Wednesday nights from 1982 to 1987 when the program aired, as my merciful mother exempted me from her cardinal rule of eating family dinner together. She also signed me up for dance classes. After, you know, a few years of dance classes, the owner of the studio announced that we were invited to a dance convention in New York City. I pirouetted with excitement. I was going to the city in which the school that inspired me to dance was located. To top it off, my teacher announced that my dance mate, Melissa, and I would be put into the advanced group at the convention. I puffed a little bit at the idea. I must be pretty good if I'm going to be in the advanced group, I thought to myself. On the edge of my seat, during the two-hour car ride to the Big Apple, I bubbled over with anticipation. We pulled up to the New York Sheridan Hotel, and it seemed like a hundred lights illuminated the entranceway. Dance signs adorned the window, people bustled in and out of the revolving doors, and music greeted us as we entered the hotel. We hurried to the first class of the day. My heart beat was quick. My stomach was fluttering. Just before we reached our destination, one of the chaperones turned to Melissa and I and whispered, Girls, I just want to let you know this first class is also an audition for a dance caravan that picks out children to perform across the country. (sighs) Immediately, I imagined what it would be like to dance on various stages across the country. If I made the troupe, my flame would certainly light up the sky. Melissa grabbed my hand and snapped me out of my daydream. We looked at each other in the eye, and as 10-year-old girls do, screamed at us a at a pitch akin to the mermaid screech in the classic 80s movie Splash. We regained our composure, took a deep breath, and opened the door to all the possibilities that lay ahead. There must have been more than 200 dancers moving simultaneously to the music that blared from enormous speakers above. Everyone moved around me, but I froze. I had no idea where to go or what to do. Totally overwhelmed and with no one giving us directions, Melissa and I scurried up to the front of the room and attempted to join in. The instructors on the platform illustrated a series of dance steps, and we were expected to, you know, immediately pick up the moves and follow them. I had never done this before. At our studio back home, we were shown the moves slowly, in fact, two or three times. Here in New York, I simply couldn't keep up. Flabbergasted, Melissa and I looked at each other. She couldn't keep up either. We retreated to the side of the room. Removing ourselves from the crowd, I sunk down to the ground with my back against the wall and watched the other dancers move effortlessly across the floor. Totally unprepared, I felt completely defeated. New York may be the dreams where cities are made, the city where dreams are made, but at the moment, my dream was crushed. Back home, I was a big fish in a little pond. In New York, I didn't even feel like plankton. Everything after that experience seemed to reinforce my belief that I couldn't pursue dance professionally. When I accompanied my father on a business trip to Yale University and we entered the Gothic-style science building, he escorted me to the side wall that displayed a large black and white map of the campus. A physicist who worked with medical technologies, he pointed to the medical building and said, when you're older, you're going to go here. No, I replied, I'm going here. And I pointed to the dance building. Oh, no, he retorted. You have scientific aptitude, Sarah. You should go here. A total daddy's little girl, I folded and said, sure, dad. I didn't want to disappoint him. 
he probably doesn't think I could be a dancer anyway, my preteen angst told me as I walked away slowly. Back at home, I relayed my, to my mother the verbal exchange that I had had. Sarah, aren't dancers tall and thin, she responded. Coming from an Italian family whose motto is food is love and whose women are on average five feet two inches tall, my mother's words served to totally extinguish any ember of hope left in my dream to light up the sky like a flame. By high school, dancing became a hobby and not a career pursuit. I put my childish dreams of going to high school performing arts on the shelf along with my fame records and left them to collect dust. I embraced my scientific aptitude and headed off to college. Still, I had the need to move. To fulfill this and to earn some extra cash, I began teaching group exercise classes. Over the next decade, I leapt from one fitness trend to the next, but always I missed dancing. When a new fitness and health club opened in the area, I approached the aerobics director to ask if I could teach a few dance-based fitness classes. After an audition that went much better than the one in New York, I was hired. Excited to combine my love of dance and fitness, I dove in with enthusiasm. Though a bit rusty, developing choreography ignited an internal excitement I hadn't felt in years. I began to reclaim a lost quality of myself that I denied for far too long. While teaching my first dance fitness class, I looked out at the participants and watched as smiles lit up their faces. The energy in the room had me flying high. Are you a dancer? Asked one member who approached me afterward. You must be a dancer to move like that. The poor woman had no idea what a loaded question this was. I truly didn't know how to respond. Well, sort of, I replied. A year later, the aerobics director asked to speak with me. This was out of character, and since she never asked to speak with me before, I felt like a schoolgirl called to the principal's office. Maybe she caught me not wearing my fitness team shirt. With much trepidation, I opened her tiny office door. I sat on her bunch and smiled nervously and said, what can I do for you? Sarah, I'd like to start a new dance fitness program, and I can't do it without you. You're a great dancer, she smiled. You have the moves, and you know how to put them together. I relaxed, and thankful I wasn't getting reprimanded for my attire, I let out a sigh of relief. To keep up with the hottest fitness trends, I'd like you to teach a dance fitness class with a sexier edge, she continued. You're an all-American girl, you have real boobs, and are very approachable. I almost fell off the bench laughing. I'd never thought of myself that way. That's hysterical, I replied, but of course I'll do it. I may have walked away from my passion once, but that didn't mean it was gone forever. Now it looked like it had come back around to give me a second chance. From that moment on, I decided to let go of the limiting beliefs I created around the idea of what constitutes a real dancer. I don't need anyone's approval to dance, I thought. I don't need to be tall and thin. I just need to dance for me. I vowed to no longer minimize what I could accomplish or the goals I could attain and realize that if others could light up the sky like a flame, there's no reason why I couldn't do it too. So I dusted off my dream to live forever and learn how to fly high and recognize that my path there was just simply a different one. Now I say, if you have a song inside your soul, sing it. If you have a story to tell, begin it. If you have an image inside your head, then you need to paint it. It's never too late to reconnect with your passion. Since then, I've dusted off my old fame records. And as I listen to them, my eyes well up with tears. It takes courage to be who you really are. And I guess I just needed to grow into myself. Besides, the dance floor would be very dull if no one went on except those who moved the best. Now at the end of class, when a participant asks me, are you a dancer? I say with renewed confidence, why yes. Yes, I am. 
I love that story, Sarah. As a fellow dancer, I can really yeah. connect with that on <laughs> a lot of different levels. But that can that type of joy that you feel when you dance uh, can be really applied to anything in life, um, in any aspect. Right. And I think it's just fully embracing what does make you happy and not worrying about, you know, what makes you happy and don't worry about what other people think. It's like dance like no one's watching, they say, right? And I think the more you can actually fully embrace the experiences that bring you joy, um, it's contagious. And then if you're fully engaging in whatever activity that is, it's going to shine through. And people, if everything is energy, people feel that energy. And there's nothing better than sharing a positive, joyful energy with the world. Right. It's like being content and at peace with yourself and not, like you said in your story, you had to shed your limiting beliefs. Right. And there's so many limiting beliefs. So the first step is even questioning, uh, what are your limiting beliefs? What are those things that stop you from fully accepting who you are, fully tapping into all the most amazing things about yourself and maybe even the not so amazing things about yourself. Right. What is it, or even maybe it's not a limiting belief. Do you even t- think about your beliefs? And that's another thing I would suggest with the audience. What do you believe? Do you think about those things? Do you think about where your beliefs come from? Or do you just go along because that's what you've always done? And I think that is a huge thing to identify And if you want to do any kind of personal growth, it is, wait, why do I believe what I believe? Where did that one come from? And then I believe it. Is it limiting me? Is it stopping me from doing something I want to do? Huh. Is there a different belief I could maybe contemplate, maybe adopt that would help to get me where I really want to go in life? And it is important to tap in and be conscious of those little things that are nagging you, like your love of dance. Right. It was bothering you that you were not dancing that was playing over and over in your head and a lot of times we tend to ignore those things that we really 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 want to do because of life circumstances the things that really bring us joy I mean you you stepped out of your comfort zone you started teaching a class and it worked for you and it brought that joy back into your life which is amazing but a lot of people don't do that I know I know we all have got a list of things we could you know fill a notebook full of things that we want to do or things that bring us joy how do we go about tapping into that and really pursuing it and, and putting away the living beliefs and the fears and stepping out and achieving that? I think part of it is realizing it's a message from the universe. <laughs> it's a reason <laughs> it's coming up. Whether you believe in you know the global universe sending you messages or it's just from your subconscious. It's from your internal compass that is you know, inside of you that knows your truth and that knows what's best for you. And really saying to yourself, I need to pay attention to this. And so you pay attention to it, and then you give it the um, time that it needs. You, you think about it, and you say to yourself, okay, what fears, maybe fears are bubbling up. So for me, you know, at first it was this limiting belief that I had to be fit in a certain, you know, tall and thin. And, um, but there's so many other ways to dance and so many different kinds of dance that had I just opened my mind to that, and not been rigid in my thinking. So how can you open your mind to the things that you love and think outside the box and just give it the time and the attention it needs to explore all the different possibilities? Because I do think what happens is when fear comes up or when insecurity comes up, we start to shrink down and our focus becomes laser 
And um, we need to take a broader view. And, and if it's too hard for you to do alone, then you ask people. You know, you put that question out there, even if it's not in relation to yourself. But hey, brainstorm with me about this idea. Or Google and see what other people do. And I think that really provides a broader view. And then when you can see a broader view, you see more possibilities. Yeah, and a major misconception is the thought of joy having to be present every day in your life and that nothing ever goes wrong. But you can have joy in your heart because it's more of an internal feeling and sense of peace, even during the bad days. And we're going to talk a lot about that coming up, how you can still find joy in your every day and you can find joy in some of the worst moments of your life. Absolutely. Absolutely agree with that. And it's, it is learning how to shift and allow that joy in because people do block the joy out. Um, and you can't simultaneously actually really experience negativity and joy. It's like gratitude. If you're in a state of gratitude, you can't be in any other state. So things can be negative and you might have a challenge, but you can also let that joy seep in a little bit. And I actually gave a final today. And in the middle of the final, I put on the Jeopardy theme song because the kids were so stressed out. And I said to them, I said, you know, they were laughing and stuff. And I said, just right there, that little laugh is going to help you do better on the exam because you let that in for a moment. They were all stressed out. I could see it on their faces. It relaxed them. And then that was a moment of joy. That was a Jeopardy moment of joy. And then they went back to the exam. Sure. But it shifted everything. And that was a very stressful experience for them. And it shifted. It brought them joy. Well, as Marie Kondo says, you know how she has that spark joy movement right yeah, now. Right. She says, if you want to have some more joy in your life, then you need to tidy your home. So, <laughs> I agree with that. And you're supposed to just only keep things that spark joy in your heart. And I've the things that. that don't, you're to discard them and thank them for their yeah. service. Just like people. <laughs> just people, like wow. food, clothing, accessories, okay. and Really, well, we are going to come back and discuss more, and I'm going to tell my story. Make sure you go on fabempowers.com to get your copy of Journey to Joy and join our tribe of fabulous women with our monthly membership. We will be right back. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Do you feel you have a bigger life's purpose than you're currently living? Of course you do. Activate your passion as you tune in to Sovereign Self with host Sophia Renea Morales. Become the conscious creator of your own life. Connect with your most powerful and purposeful self in order to make big things happen for you now. Sophia and her guests are doing this every day and are sharing how you can step into this power too. Listen to Sovereign Self every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Change starts here. Change starts now. 
Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Life from Flat to Fabulous with your hosts, Sheila and Sarah. Got a question or a comment about the show? We are right here by email at info at fab-women.com. That's info at fab-women.com. Now back to Life from Flat to Fabulous. Hello, Sarah and Sheila here, and we're excited to be with you. Talk about our journey to joy. We are sharing our stories, inspiring stories about women who follow their hearts to live in a space of joy. So I just read my story. It's been story time here, Fab and Powers, and talked a little bit about how I had to dust off an old dream to tap into joy, and I had to work through some limiting beliefs in order to reconnect with the passion I had and bring that back in my life. And ever since I've done so, I haven't let go of it. And I've done all sorts of different things with that tapping into the joy. And for me, it was the joy of dance. And it's been fabulous. And my partner here, Sheila, is going to share with you a different vantage point about joy, being imperfectly perfect. She's going to share her story with us, and then we are going to discuss how she has been able to bring joy into her life, the brave decision about how she's going to respond to her life in a joyful way. Sheila, I can't wait to hear it. Take it away. (laughs) All right. So my chapter is called, as Sarah said, Imperfectly Perfect, and I'm going to read it to you now. I don't do daily affirmations. I do get super stressed out sometimes. I forget my kids' orthodontist appointments. I can't remember what I had for lunch, and I've crowned myself mother of the year for all the wrong reasons more times than I can count. I'd like to tell you that my life has been filled with joy beyond measure, but it hasn't. I'd like to say my journey to joy has been an easy one, but I can't. Not too many people will tell you that joy comes from knowing and accepting that life happens, plans change, traffic sucks, grocery lines are long, and dinner rolls burn way too quickly, but I will. You won't see my joy on my face or view it in my step. It's not a joy I shout from the rooftops. It's completely internal, a joy I experience every single day in the middle of my crazy, forgetful, stressful, busy life. In fact, I struggled with writing about joy for a long time because my perceived notion of a joyful person was not me. You see, I'm a realist. My feet are planted firmly on the ground. It wasn't until I realized that my journey to joy consists of not arriving at a complete peace, but of continuing to do what I do while appreciating the blessings in each and every day. I had to let go of the thought that in order to qualify, I had to be joyful on the outside too. And as backwards as it sounds, my joy comes from being comfortable with my imperfect self and my imperfect world. I don't need my house to be spotless. Christmas isn't ruined if I don't get everything on my kids' lists. And I'm okay with cereal for dinner because I didn't have time to go to the grocery store. And the extra five pounds I can't seem to lose, well, I'm not going to let that or the rest of those little things ruin my day, my week, my month, my year, or my life. I like the fact that I don't let the little things consume me. I see so many women who want everything perfect all the time. Such intense stress and pressure creates a world focused too much on things and not enough on meanings. The pursuit of perfection or emphasis on a final outcome can blind one to the memories and meaningful moments that happen continuously. I am thankful every single day that I have the ability to appreciate the process rather than insist on a perfect outcome. I learned that lesson the hard way when I was 22 years old. 
married just seven weeks, and my husband at the time was diagnosed with brain cancer. Needless to say, the typical newlywed quarrels about leaving the toilet seat up or the cap off the toothpaste tube suddenly became incredibly insignificant. I knew those things weren't worth fighting over. What I didn't know was that gaining that perspective marked the beginning of my journey. The imperfections. Kyle and Eve, my children, lost their dad to cancer when they were just 10 and 6 years old, respectively. Before that, they watched him endure seizures, MRIs, surgeries, radiation, and chemotherapy, and never had the chance to live in a safe, stable world. As their mother, I dreaded the day I'd have to tell them it was time to say goodbye. What I failed to see then was that their journey started the day they were born into this imperfect world. Just like me, they lived their lives every day, knowing that leaving the cap off the toothpaste or getting stuck in traffic and arriving 10 minutes late for a party wasn't going to ruin their day, week, month, year, or even their lives. The imperfection of their childhood led them to become the most compassionate, thoughtful, appreciative, and thankful children I know. They look at this world differently because they know life isn't to be taken for granted. They have this sense, this perspective far beyond their years that could have destroyed them, but taught them instead to appreciate the journey along the way and not to focus on a perfect outcome. I honestly didn't know if I'd ever see them smile again after their dad's passing. It's been more than three years now and their joy is stronger than ever. To see them, hear them laugh, or even tell a corny joke gives me a joy I cannot begin to describe. To watch them love life again is my proudest accomplishment because it could have gone a very different way. They often remember their dad through pictures and stories, but most importantly, they choose to celebrate their dad and his life by helping other kids who've lost loved ones as well. A few months after their father passed away, I sent Kyle and Eve to Camp Erin, a free bereavement camp for kids who've lost a loved one. Their grief counselor told me, Being around other kids who've suffered a loss like theirs could make an unbelievable difference in their lives. While I wasn't crazy about letting them out of my sight for an entire weekend, I trusted her, sent them, and am internally indebted to the foundation, staff, and volunteers who changed our lives forever. Since that weekend, Kyle and Eve have been asked on numerous occasions to write and speak about their journey and their commitment to living life to the fullest. They begged me to send them to Camp Erin for a second year so they could help the new kids feel comfortable and welcome. And they did just that. When I picked them up after the weekend, counselors overwhelmed me with story after story about how my children took the time to talk to, comfort, and show new campers that they were not alone in their grief. Our mission to spread the word and share our story went national in the fall of 2011. While on the set of Anderson Cooper's talk show about surviving grief, Anderson asked Kyle if he cries much. Without hesitation, Kyle replied, I do cry a lot. But what I know is that it's okay to cry. Crying helps you. You are not weak. You are strong. Anderson, who lost his father when he was only 10 years old, told Kyle he was absolutely right. Crying is a sign of strength. Our message on the show that day resonated with so many viewers that the producer called me the next day to say he'd never seen so much positive feedback from any of their previous shows. The Detour. After the death of my husband, I knew I'd be fine raising Kyle and Eve alone. And I was getting comfortable with the idea of being the quintessential single mom. I was settling into the new life when along came a major detour. I didn't see it coming. Oh, I was used to detours and changes and plans for sure, but not quite ready for one of this magnitude. Did I mention this detour has a name? Yes, his name is Jeff. Jeff was someone I knew casually through mutual friends who happened to live down the street. He traveled for work and was barely ever home. 
When he was, he'd wave as I drove by. I didn't know very much about him, just that I'd heard he was a great guy. A relationship was the last thing that I thought about. The kids and I had been through so much, the thought of getting into the dating world made me very uncomfortable. Of course, at only 37 years old, I knew some, at some point my friends would try to set me up and get me out there again, but not this soon, I thought. How much time do I give myself, I wondered. Will I wake up one morning and say, hey, today's the day I'm ready to do this? Will I have an aha moment or listen to other people who are more than happy to give me their opinions? I couldn't believe how many friends, acquaintances, and even strangers were willing to chime in on that topic. I got a lot of, you should do this, and you should do that. Give yourself at least a year, and well, you know, you get the picture. As you probably guessed, it happened sooner than I'd planned. My next-door neighbor knew Jeff's family well, and as time went by, I caught on to her little mission to get us together. So I took a chance and went on a date with him. My life until then, a roller coaster full of twists, turns, loops, and heart-dropping moments had given me the courage to listen to my heart and find out where this detour would take me. And boy, was I in for quite a ride. The first day of summer, a little over a year after our first date, I found myself standing at the top of a gorgeous grand staircase in Hawaii as beautiful Eve, my maid of honor, held my hand. In the gazebo below stood Jeff with handsome Kyle as his best man, waiting for us to join them and begin our new lives together. It was just the four of us in the most beautiful and peaceful place on earth, celebrating an amazing moment on our journey. This is also where the kids gave Jeff his new name, Kepi. It's a Hawaiian name and will forever be a reminder of that moment in time when we tossed all the worries of the world aside and simply enjoyed our days as a family. I think back to that time right before our first date, and I realized that I'd restrict, had I restricted myself to a time frame and listened to those who said it was too soon, I would have missed out. A really great man who brings such happiness to me and my kids every single day. Jeff makes us laugh, love, and enjoy life. He respects Kyle and Eve's need to remember their dad and is incredibly supportive of our efforts to help others who've lost loved ones. He loves us, works hard for us, and shows us every single day that we are his number one priority. I couldn't imagine not having him in our lives and sharing our journey. My joy, my job. My joy is simple, but not always easy. It lies in knowing that this life, world, and universe encompasses so much more than me. There will always be twists and turns, good twists and bad twists, great turns and not so great turns that will be out of my control and missed appointments, traffic jams, sadness, sorrow, burnt dinner rolls, and long lines at the grocery stores. Those are guarantees. My job is not to let those things swallow up my joy. My job is to do all I can to recognize that joy shines through the clouds every single day of this beautiful gift we call life. (laughs) All right. So I wish I could give all of you in the audience tissues because I need tissue right now. So I have read this chapter um, before, obviously, being Sheila's business partner. And I'm telling you, I find something new. And that's what is so amazing about storytelling. Because wherever you are in your journey of life, um, your chapter of life, reading these kind of things and hearing people's story can provide such inspiration. And a lot of things hit home for me, um, big time, Sheila. So I really appreciate that. And I'm really um, glad we're doing this podcast today. Um <laughs> Because it's just amazing. And I love, you know, in the beginning when you talk about the things like, you know, the little things, the toothpaste tube and the toilet seat and all that stuff, like, you know, your kids are going to be fine. 
you know, and it is an attitude, it's approach to life and not stressing out over those little things um, because they are amazing and they've learned so much. So uh, thank you for sharing. That was great. Um, So the first story, my story was really about bringing different um, acts, like things in your life that bring you joy. And then yours was really about attitude and an approach to life. And I think that's something important because I think that, um, you know, if you want more joy, cultivating joy, you need to arrange your life so that more joy will be likely. So it's like twofold. It's like doing the things like the things that you love doing, but then also being open. Like you said, you're open to this experience and allowing it to, um, maybe bring you some more joy and look what it did. It even brought mm-hmm. you another little, little girl. And ended up bringing, you know, more than you thought, you know, which is amazing. Oh, so, she brings me a lot of joy. That's for sure. <laughs> she needs her own podcast. I think um, we should have her an on guest. I think we really should. So audience, I do want you to think about not only, you know, what you love doing, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that, the things you love to do, to bring you joy, but then also how can you tweak the way you think, the attitude that you have to bring more peace and contentment into your life so you allow the joy to be possible. I think it's really important to do it in a twofold manner. So maybe what you need to do is you need to write down all the lists of things that you would love doing. Like, you know, for me, it was was dance and the things that bring me joy, um, reading more, things like that. And then you need to think about how your attitude has maybe depleted the joy from your life or maybe blocked out joy from happening. And how you can recognize, even in the middle of a storm, where your joy is and and understanding that the joy that you work hard to maintain in your heart will always be with you through those tough times. Um, and then to understand the difference between happiness and joy, like we were talking about earlier, you can have a really, really crappy day, a crappy month, a crappy year, but you still have that joy in your heart because you're recognizing the little things and you're mindful and you're grateful. It kind of encompasses all of those qualities as well. Right, and practicing at that. You need to practice at cultivating joy. You need to practice at bringing those things into your life every single day, even if it's waking up with just a few moments of a meditation that can bring you some peace and joy. If it's, um, you know, I have certain gifs that I love that bring me joy. This is something super little, but I look at them and or I send them to a friend or something. And it, it, it's so, it makes me happy. It brings me joy. So that happiness, joy. But ultimately, if joy is this state and this approach and this peaceful state, um, because I do these things to bring in happiness and gratitude and allow uh, positive experiences to happen, then the joy is more stabilized and I am able to pull into the joy into the negative parts of life. And that is something to practice, something to cultivate for sure. Right. Because no one is happy all the time, right? I mean, really, nobody's happy all the time. And they say including that they miserable. Yeah, I know. Even they though say everybody miserable if you'd be happy all the time. <laughs> It'd be insane. And you wouldn't really, you wouldn't really actually, um, you know, it would be false. You have to have the human condition has all the different emotions. And so you have to be able to experience all the different emotions that life has to offer in order to fully appreciate what it means to have joy and happiness and love Mm -hmm. and vulnerability and courage. 
Yeah, happiness is not the emotion that many strive to find to keep. That's the emotion is joy. So you want to strive to keep joy in your life. Nobody's happy all the time, but some are more content and at peace, and that's joy. Um, So studies on what makes people happy reveal that it doesn't have much to do with goods or high achievement. Joy seems to be related to one outlook, like we were talking about, an outlook on life and the quality of relationships, along with having the ability to give and receive. Joy is so much more than happiness. And they also say that people who are, you know, living joyful lives, they are successful. It's not the other way around. It's not that success brings happiness. It's that your happiness and your joy is going to lead you to success. So really, it is the most important thing is to focus on joy and the attitude of joy and how to create the joy. So you need to be aware of the things that make you smile, the things that you know, give you a little boost of energy because I think we go through life too much, too quickly um, and ignore those things. And so we ignore what's bringing you the joy and we don't take time to marinate it and marinate in those things. Even if it's a little, take the time, like at a meal even, do you take the time to enjoy a meal and just say, wow, this is delicious. I love, look at the company I'm with. Look at this fine wine I'm drinking. Or do you just eat it quickly? You know, it's appreciating, it's marinating in that just being grateful for the good things in your life. I mean, I know last week we talked about positivity and staying positive and we talked a lot about gratitude and being mindful and present and recognizing that things may be going wrong in certain aspects of your life, but things are going right in other aspects of your life and concentrating and focusing on that to build the joy because joy can be built up. You can build that up in your heart. Absolutely. And I think when you can share Share the joy, which we're going to talk about when we come back. How we share this joy and double it and amplify it. Don't forget to go on our website to get our copy, a signed copy of Journey to Joy. Go to fabempowers.com. Sign up today to get our newsletters and join our tribe of fabulous women with our monthly membership. We will be right back. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. Are you ready for a show about possibilities? Are you tired of boundaries and limitations and ready for expansion and growth? Then tune in and spend some time with Rebecca Huey, host of Mastermind. Dr. Rebecca provides a safe, healing environment designed to help you develop emotional intelligence, resilience, and the self-awareness necessary to create positive, long-lasting change. Listen every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Want to improve your health, business, and life just by listening to a radio show? Well, we can at least move you in the right direction. Listen for Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. Each week, Allison will speak with amazing guests and find out what's changed their lives and how they are changing the lives of others. From beauty to health to business and personal relationships, we're here to inspire you to live your life of passion. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers channel we don't follow we lead join us the voice america influencers channel
You are listening to Life from Flat to Fabulous with your hosts, Sheila and Sarah. Got a question or a comment about the show? We're right here by email at info at fab-women.com. That's info at fab-women.com. Now back to Life from Flat to Fabulous. Hello, it's Sarah and Sheila here, and we had story time today. We told our stories from our book, Journey to Joy, which is an anthology book with inspiring stories of women who follow their hearts to live in a space of joy. And we are discussing joy, and in this segment, we're going to talk a little bit more how to bring more joy into your life, what habits, attitudes, acts you can bring into your life to cultivate joy and to live a life full of joy, even in the times of challenge. And Mother Teresa is the bomb. I love her. And there's a quote that says, let no one ever come to you without leaving better and happier. Be the living expression of God's kindness, kindness in your face, kindness in your eyes, kindness in your smile. And that really is one of the most effective ways to cultivate joy by sharing that and giving to others. It doubles your joy. Joy, happiness is born a twin. And so you want to, when you feel that joy, you want to extend that joy and then that joy amplifies and doubles. So let's think of ways that we can create joy for ourselves and then therefore create joy for the world. We've got to be the change that we wish to see in the world. And how do we do that? We create joyful lives. Sheila, you had some good tips of how to bring more joy. (laughs) Well, being joyful really requires you to be connected to other people, like you were just saying, sharing your joy to other people in life and with nature and appreciating the arts. There are so many ways to be joyful um, and to build up your joy. Happiness has like a, a level biologically. We are like wired for a certain level of happiness and, but joy can be built up and joy can be increased more so than happiness. Happiness is like a quick fix when you uh, win the lottery. There's studies that show people that win yeah, the lottery are sure. no happier than right. people who don't win the lottery, but that rush that they get of happiness, like, Oh my, I've got millions and millions of dollars. And then they go back to their baseline. Right, and they lose millions of dollars because they don't do the work to find the joy. Right, so those effects of happiness are temporary, and people tend to revert back to their baseline level um, after they've received that big rush. Um, They can be attributed to genetics, too. But joy doesn't rely on those qualities, doesn't rely on money or material comfort. It it relies on your internal belief and your internal peace. Right, and I think you made a really good point. Just real quick, interject, I was saying about... um, connecting with people and loved ones, you know, and, and having that connection is one of the things that brings joy and an attitude of joy because it's an approach. There are a lot of people who isolate themselves from the world and isolate themselves from connection with other people. And so I think it's really important to think about that, um, having real intimate conversations with people to provide that connection because there's a lot of surface connection. And what we're seeing happen is because of like social media and things, um, especially with the generations coming up, they're saying that they're not developing the same levels of connection that we might've had because we were forced to sit with people and have conversations. But those conversations led to a depth that is very um, important for the human psyche and the human spirit. And when you don't have those kind of connections, there's part of the um, increase in depression and anxiety that we're seeing. So one important way is to really think about the connections you have with people, really listening to people, really being curious about other people and making that a priority to connect. I have a friend who's a writer 
And he often is by himself because he gets into writing mode. And he talks about that. He's very disciplined about like every few days, he makes sure he gets out and he connects with people. Um, and more people need that on an everyday basis. He's more of a loner, but he puts that into a practice of his life. So he knows that it's not going to drain him and depress him, but it's going to create joy. So the question is now, where do we start? So if we look at our lives now and to just take a look at your life now and you want to incorporate more joy, some of that can be a little overwhelming because, you know, joy seems to be like this big overwhelming concept and to adopt joy in your heart means you're letting go of a lot of other things. So where do we start? Kaya Roman, author of The Joy Plan, offers some suggestions for us to start to incorporate more joy into our lives and also how to do it when you are in the middle of a crisis or you're you're in the middle of a storm or you're just in a bad place, you're in a funk. So we're going to go through these six ideas, six tips. So grab a pen and make sure you write these things down. But first thing she suggests is to understand your fear. You know, Sarah, you were talking about how you kind of lost your confidence with the dancing and you didn't feel like you were a good dancer and you had a fear of kind of going back into that. Right. world you know and and but that is something that was bringing you so much joy you could have easily like just let that go and and continued on but you have to understand your fear it's a powerful force that activates which creates a fight or flight or freeze in response to your brain so when you're in that kind of mode it's difficult to think clearly or to see things right. from a different perspective that's why it's important to recognize when you are in fact paralyzed by fear. So you can take steps to ease that grip that it has on you. It's a great first step. Yeah. And I think having a process, creating a process to battle your fears is really important. So, you know, if you are feeling like a fear and that fear is manifesting itself a little physiologically, you'll notice your muscles tensing. You might start to sweat a little bit when you start to think about it. Then, you know, breathing is the first step. So you have to take a couple of deep breaths to kick in the parasympathetic nervous system to like relax you. And then really getting it on paper, maybe writing out what those fears are. And then a really good tool is looking at people who have been successful, successful at tackling that fear, whatever fear it is you've had. And that's why it is important to have stories and read stories and talk to people because then you're like, oh, well, you know, I had that fear and this is how I overcame it. And that could be so powerful. So to open your mind to the possibilities and also really trying to find, is it like fact what's happening? Like proving to yourself, like, okay, is that really true? So when you break down why you're afraid of something, has no one, you know, that was short ever been a dancer, <laughs> you know, right. has, has no one that wasn't skinny man ever been a dancer, you know? And I remember actually going to, New, uh, excuse me, to London and seeing, ironically enough, the show fame in London. And I remember seeing the dancers and there were some chunky dancers up there. And I remember looking at my sister and be like, Oh my gosh, see, they are up there, you know? And that was, and it was really ironically pivotal because it was the show fame in England. Um, but that was proof to me that, what I had feared wasn't even true, you know, but in my mind, I made it up, but I didn't at the time know how to break it down and to get over that. So you have to learn to break down that fear, write it down, and then disprove it, disprove that fear for yourself. That's great. And the second thing is to then do something small, you know, when right. joy, like we said, seems so overwhelming sometimes. And there are times when your life, you kind of feel like you're spinning out out of control, you're spinning your wheels, things aren't going well, you can't take it all at once. It's important to find like brief moments of lightness where you can in a funny movie or 
laugh with a friend, a beautiful sunset in your breath. The moments of reprieve will help your brain and your body refuel so you can keep moving forward towards those solutions. Absolutely. And I think things like you and I have talked about in other podcasts, but having associations like certain music, you put that song on, oh, it's going to pump me up. That's going to shift my energy um, is something that you can do. So creating those things, um, the associations with, you know, maybe it's painting, maybe it's looking at a picture, maybe it's looking through a photo album of like positive memories. And even the small things that you were saying, something very small, they even just say making your bed in the morning is something that you can feel accomplished doing. And that in itself, you don't think of like, oh, the joy of making the bed. But really, it's the joy of starting your day accomplishing something. And that can be amazing. And then that's a change of attitude. So for me now, if I'm going to cultivate this like joy and this attitude of peace and contentment, then I want to bring that to whatever I do. And so it's, it's like saying, what do I get to do today? You know, and so it's yes. switching that. And we've talked about that before. What do I get to do? Wow. Okay. I'm making my bed. I know that means that I am starting my day off accomplishing one thing on my checklist. I got to do the dishes. I do not like the dishes, but you know what? I'm going to put on some music and I'm going to dance a little bit. And that's accomplishing two things. I'm burning some calories and I'm getting stuff done. So you really want to, that's part of the shift. That's part of like why it's so phenomenal. Once you finally do tap into that joy, it's like almost like a game of how you can bring it in to all these little things that you can do and the little joys of life. The third suggestion that she mentions is to get present. So she says, feeling anxiety is a good thing since anxiety is primarily fueled by worry about the future. So it means an effective remedy can often be found in the present, regardless of what's going on around you. Peace is available in every moment if you bring your attention to what it is within you. Start by closing your eyes and take several deep breaths. The oxygen will soothe so it can stop surrounding the stress. Place your hand on your heart and bring your awareness to your body and your five senses. And you can practice this anywhere, anytime, all day long to reduce the anxiety. Yeah, and I think another important one is grounding yourself. So putting your feet on the floor when you're taking those breaths, like um, it really actually makes a difference. And in fact, if you're feeling really anxious, going outside bare feet and putting your feet in the grass or on the ground, there's a exchange of ions that happen when you do something as simple as that. Um, spending time in the forest near trees, there's an exchange of ions. Going to the beach, why is going to the beach is so effective too? But that's something simple. I mean, we all can just go outside. We can all find some nature. And that's a really easy way to uh, bring you back to the now, bring you back to the moment. What's happening is the breath is, is really the most powerful thing. And then asking yourself, what's my sphere of control? If there's nothing I can do about it right now, then I'm going to let it go. And I'm going to enjoy this moment. Because you know what? Really, you don't know what the next moment is going to bring. And if you thought this was going to be your last moment, don't you want to live in it fully and appreciate it and tap into the joy? Well, hopefully your next moment is step number four, which is take yeah. some action. So when you've found like some respite in from the paralyzing fear, taking actions that help you feel more empowered will help rather than helpless. Focus on solutions rather than problems, even though there are plenty of both. Change is often very uncomfortable for the brain because it's unfamiliar, but now is the time to take action, roll up your sleeves, embrace the change, jump in, ready to embrace the growth that change brings, which is, that's a huge point there. Absolutely. And I think as you said, like it's the unfamiliar for your brain, but you can also train your brain to like love that and to get excited for it because the more you do this practice of, um, 
trying new things and finding solutions, the easier it will become. But also you can make the association with getting a little brain boost from actually overcoming that and being solution oriented. And again, if you don't, if you don't feel like you feel like you're too blocked and can't think of solutions, that's when you have to ask your friends, ask your family, like, what would you do in this situation? You know, check out some biographies. Like I said, like people, people have been going through situations for hundreds and billions. You know, there's so many people. There's a lot of similarity. That's why support groups are really effective because you hear the stories. People share the stories. They share how they've um, provided um, or gotten solutions to things. So I think it's really important taking action and just thinking outside the box. And if you can't think outside the box, you ask somebody for help. And that leads us to our next point, which is zoom out. Because fear can really take over and you're so focused on what's happening right in front of you that you forget the bigger picture. But remember this, we don't see the world as it is. We see it as we are. And our brains have a built-in negativity bias, which we talked about last week too, which means we pay far more attention to the negative than the positive. And our brains are set up this way on purpose since being cautious keeps us safe. But this negativity bias can override the perception of reality to the point that we see things as much worse than they really are. So take a step back. Is it really that bad in the grand scheme of things? Absolutely. And that's what I loved about your story is because you were able to take a step back. I mean, you had so many challenges, but you were able to let go. Have cereal for dinner. That's fine. Lucky <laughs> charms. They make me happy, you know, so and, and not worry about those little things, taking the step back and really saying to yourself, okay. In a month, is this, is this going to be a problem? In two weeks, is this going to be a problem? Most of the time, it's not going to be. Is it? Will this be an issue in two weeks? Probably not. Maybe even in one week, will this be an issue? Probably not. Probably not. The sixth step is to choose optimism. And we talked about this a little bit earlier, too. Gratitude is a great gateway to optimism. Even in the midst of a crisis, gratitude is always an option. The brain cannot be in a state of fear and gratitude at the same time. So what are you grateful for today? Make a list. Let us know what you're grateful for. That is huge. When I was going through a very, very difficult time recently, I did a gratitude wall. I got paints and I went out there and I said, every day I'm going to write down three things I'm grateful for until this wall is filled. And every time I look at it, I mean, it looks like a five-year-old did it because I'm not artistic and that's okay. But every time I look at it, it brings me joy. But the practice of doing that, I can't even tell you, it helped me through a very, very difficult time. So gratitude, bringing gratitude in your life. Is phenomenal. And remember, not what works for one person may not work for you. So the trick is really to discover like what your brain responds to and do that consistently. Make joy your goal and watch as your perception of your circumstances shifts right before your eyes. Your circumstances will change. Yeah, absolutely. Putting Mm -hmm. a little bit of effort. When your perception changes, your world changes. And if you allow yourself to focus on the positive, to focus on the gratitude, to look for the ability of joy to seep into your life and look maybe for where the universe is bringing up the potential of joy, then everything will change, your world will change, and you will be able to live in a space of joy even through your challenges. So understand your fear, do something small, get present, take action, zoom out, 
and choose optimism, a great recipe for building more joy into your life. So thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope that you are feeling empowered, inspired, and ready to discover and embrace your own journey to joy. Remember to follow us on social media at Fab Empowers and go on our website, buy our Journey to Joy book today, and we will sign it and ship it to you and sign up for your free gift and join our tribe of fabulous females. Join us next week as we welcome special guest and fab female Diana Scavetta. She is going to talk about tapping into your own internal compass and holding the pen to your story and following the direction that your heart is pulling you in. We are so excited to welcome her. Yes, we are. Woo, woo. And remember to find a little fab in your everyday. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time. Joy you later. Thanks again for tuning into this week's episode of Life from Flat to Fabulous. Be sure to join Sheila Turner and Sarah Kartner again next Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Until we talk again, make it a fabulous week.